Hello and welcome back. I am Pastor David Palmer of Lower Three Runs Baptist Church in Martin, South Carolina, and this is the It's God's Word podcast. Today we're going to be continuing in the book of James, uh, picking up where we left off. We're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, and this will finish up the fourth chapter of James. So if you're ready, let's read through these verses. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it, and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word, and we just ask this morning to open our hearts and our ears to your word, and everyone within the sound of this this podcast, Lord, that you will speak to them in a mighty way and draw them to you. Lord, convict them. And use them according to your will. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as James goes into this portion of the letter, we have to understand that this period in time was marked by a growing commercial activity. Uh, There was just simply, the commerce was growing. There was a lot going on, especially in the cities of Palestine. And the Jews were particularly active in this commerce. Many of them had left Palestine to settle in cities all throughout the Mediterranean world uh, in pursuit of financial gain. And of course, it's really no different for us in the modern world, we, we do the same thing. It's really what drives us on a day-to-day basis. Now, it would be really tempting here to find a rebuke of anyone who is out to make a profit. As the following verses make clear, James isn't rebuking these merchants for their plans or even for their desire to make a profit. Rather, he's rebuking them for this worldly self-confidence that they exhibit in pursuing these goals, that self-centeredness that's at the heart of these goals that they're pursuing. Uh, This is a danger to which I think business people are particularly susceptible. We'll get into all this in just a moment, Uh, but we also need to resist another misinterpretation, and that is the idea that James is forbidding Christians from any form of planning or of concern for the future. This is simply not so. Taking out life insurance and saving for retirement, for example, uh, these things, the whole concept of that is never condemned anywhere in Scripture by James or anywhere else in Scripture. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I think most would consider 
those things to be a form of wise stewardship. What James is rebuking is any kind of planning for the future that stems from our own self-centered human arrogance, uh, as if we have any ability at all to determine the course of the future, and that truly is arrogant to think such a thing. So James doesn't condemn planning. He's simply condemning planning that leaves God out of the equation. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Uh, it goes on to say, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God has to be in the center of our planning, or else it's all in vain. And the people that are depicted in this passage that James is talking about is what we're going to call a practical atheist. Uh, what I mean by that is that they, they live their lives and they make plans as if God does not exist. He's simply an afterthought at best. So such conduct is very inconsistent with the with a genuine saving faith, which is one that submits to the Lord and to his will. Uh, consider this story of a similar type person, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 20, a parable that Jesus tells. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is, this is a person who planned out his future completely without regard to the Lord and his will, and God called him a fool. We can plan, but God must be at the center of it. Remember what we've talked about before in this journey through James, uh, self-centeredness is, is not where a Christian should be. We should be Christ-centered, not self-centered. And that includes our planning for the future. It needs to be Christ-centered. And we need to understand that when we make plans that God may disrupt or even completely change our plans altogether. And if that happens, how will you react? It's something that we all need to be ready for. So in an attempt to bring them and, and us, consequently, back to a proper perspective. In verse 14, James reminds them of just how fleeting life really is. You know, 
here's what he says. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Life is short. No matter how many years we live on this earth, life is short. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. That's it. We don't know. What is your life? That's the question James asks, and then he answers it. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So what is your life? A vapor, a mist, just as that vapor from your breath on a cold day quickly disappears, so do our lives come and go. So don't be deceived into thinking you have lots of remaining time to live for Christ, to enjoy your loved ones, or to do what you know you should do. Live for God today because tomorrow is not promised. Verse 15 says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. See, in verse 14, he tells them that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life is short. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And that's a sobering perspective, but it's not quite enough because that perspective and that type of thought by itself is not necessarily a Christian thought. You know, any of us can figure out whether you believe in Christ and trust Him or not that, that life is fleeting. So that's not necessarily a Christian thought. So James James moves on to verse 15 and puts it all in the proper context. So it's really of great importance to recognize that our lives are also in the hands of God. And that's why he says in verse 15, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And and he he's forcing them to recognize that it's in God's hand and they need to be willing to live according to his will. So the key to avoiding boasting is to maintain this godly perspective. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says that there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. No matter how many plans we make, God's will, that's what's going to prevail. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So as we plan for the future, the first thing we should do is to seek the Lord, his righteousness, his kingdom, his will, and then let the rest fall into place. And that's really what James is telling us here. So... He goes on in verse 16 to address the root of the problem, and that's the underlying attitude. But he says, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You see, it's a heart condition. It's one of prideful arrogance. In short, sin. So as previously noted, there there is nothing inherently wrong with planning. The problem is the prideful arrogance that leaves God and his will out of the equation. 
Such an attitude is simply evil, just as James states in verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, I think we read this already, but just I'm going to reiterate it. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow brings. So therefore, verse 17, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Uh, now, at first, this verse may seem a bit awkward or maybe out of place, but I think it fits nicely in the context. The implication is that those to whom James is writing already know the truth about their actions. They already know that they're circumventing God. They already know that they're living selfishly. It implies that they're completely aware of the rights and the wrongs, yet they choose ignorance. They choose to ignore it, excuse me. They choose to ignore it for their own gain. So, quick note here. We tend to think that doing wrong is sin, but James tells us that, and it is, but, but James also tells us that sin is not doing what is right. So you have sins of commission and sins of omission. And what he's talking about here are the knowing what is right but not doing it. That is also a sin. For instance, it's a sin to lie, but it can also be a sin to know the truth and not tell it. Uh, knowing what you should do obligates you to do it. It's just that simple. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Therefore, it is a sin for these people to foolishly make plans without any consideration of God's will because they knew better. And that's what James is saying. And it's no different for us. If we know better, if we know God should be the center of our planning and we plan as if he doesn't exist, well, that is a sin because we already know better. And if you didn't know better by this point after listening to this, you do know better. So now it is a sin. So, And that's where we're at with this. And to attain a spiritual maturity, a believer must do the good that he now knows to do. He must stand confidently on God's word, even in trials and temptations. He must compassionately serve his brethren without prejudicial favoritism, but with practical faith. He must speak carefully with a controlled tongue. He must submit in contrition to his all-powerful father, the lawgiver and judge, with a very humble spirit just action, and a trusting heart. He must be what God wants him to be and do what God wants him to do, speak as God wants him to speak, and sense what God wants him to sense. In short, submit to God, and, and that will be evident in your planning for the future, whether or not you have indeed submitted to God. And with this, you will experience a renewed and refreshed vitality to your Christian faith. Now, I want to add just a little bonus note here. Uh, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, uh, to him it is a sin. It's 
you are rewarded and or punished based on the amount of knowledge you have. And Jesus addresses this elsewhere in the scripture. But the more knowledge you have, the more accountability you have. And that should not, you should not be scared to gain more knowledge on that basis of knowing that. Uh, matter of fact, we should continue to grow in our faith and in our wisdom and in our knowledge out through all, all throughout our Christian life and throughout our Christian walk. We should continue to grow in these things. But as we grow, our accountability and responsibility increases. And we just simply need to understand that, and that needs to be factored in to how we plan for the future. And when we begin to do this, then we can truly experience a renewed and refreshed vitality to our faith. We will see things begin to change um, in our faith and on our walk with Christ. Um, it'll just open up a whole new world of service to us when we begin to do this, when our planning centers around God, when we are in submission to Him and His will. And of course, we can't even be in His will if we don't trust Him as our Lord and Savior. As it said in Romans ten nine. if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And until that happens, it doesn't matter how much good you do because we're told in Hebrews that without faith it's impossible to please Him. So first you must come to Christ. So if any of you out there listening to this by chance do not know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Please come to Him right now today in prayer. Today is the day of salvation. Give your heart to Him. Once again, Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved and you will be part of the family. Uh, uh, and, and you will have an eternity with Him in heaven as opposed to an eternity of torment in hell. Because it's only one or the other. So today the challenge is simply this, submission, plan according to God's will with him in the center of it as we make plans for the future, submit to him, allow him to be in charge and the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that we'll have humble hearts given over totally to you, that we will be your vessels of mercy, and that you will use us and mold us and shape us and, Lord, send us out on your behalf to do your will and to do your work, and that as we make plans and move forward, that you will be the very center of it, and you will be our focus. Lord, just draw us close, convict us, change us from the inside out, and use us according to your will. And thank you, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and I appreciate you being with us here today, and, and I hope that you'll be back next week. And please encourage others to tune in as well. Thank you, and God bless.